welcome friends. How is everybody? I hope you're doing well. Praise God for this podcast and getting his word out to everybody. And tonight I want to continue talking about salvation. And I'm going to share a story out of Acts 16 about Paul and Silas. And before I do that, I just want to read John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We've all sinned. We have all fallen short short of the glory. We're all born sinners. We're born into this sinful nature and we're already on our way to hell. But God gave us a way out. He gave us an advocate. He gave us his only son who died for our sins so that we could believe in him, trust in him, abide in him, and live eternal life and live joyfully and peacefully in this life. What a difference it's made in my life. So I want to talk about Paul and Silas in Acts 16. And Paul and Silas were imprisoned. They were beaten, stripped naked, and thrown in the dungeon, fastening their feet to the, uh, to the stocks in an agonizing pos- position. I mean, could you imagine being beaten and put in prison because of your faith? Paul and Silas were praying and praising God as the prisoners were listening to them. And there was a great earthquake that the very foundations of the prison were shaken and all the doors were open and everyone's chains were unfastened. The jailer drew his sword and was about to kill himself, thinking the prisoners escaped. Then Paul told him, Do not hurt yourself. We are all here. The jailer fell trembling before Paul and Silas and brought them out of the inner prison. And he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? In verse 31, it says, And they answered, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and entrust yourself to him and you will be saved. You and your household, if they also believe. In 1631, the context of that is Paul and Silas's answer to the Philippian jailers. The question is the essence of the salvation. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. This verse raises two questions. What does it mean to believe and what does it mean to be saved? So in belief includes... Belief includes, is more than just in uh, like an intellectual ascent. Belief includes the idea of total trust, dependence and submission of oneself to Christ as Lord. To, so basically, if you're, if you're believing in him, it's including the idea of their total trust that the Lord Christ Jesus is your Lord and Savior total trust that he came and died for your sins and dependence and submission of yourself to the Christ as Lord, meaning that we are to obey him, to obey his commands in the Bible, to walk in obedience with him, to serve him, walk like Christ, tell others, tell others the good news. Once you become born again, once you are given that free gift of salvation. You just want to shout it from the rooftops. You want to go tell everybody. 
To be saved is to be delivered. We are delivered from the very presence of sin and evil, which is Satan and hell, and will be delivered into the very presence of God, which is Christ in heaven. We receive this new life by faith, believing that we are sinful and that Jesus died for our sins, that his death was in our place, and that is his payment. And that's his payment. Payment for sin is fully acceptable in God's sight. Faith summarized on, here is faith summarized. Forsaking all, I take him. That means walking away from our sin, surrendering to our Lord and Savior, knowing we need a Savior, knowing that we are sinners. Because we are, we are sinners. But once you accept Jesus Christ and you surrender to him and you walk away from your old life in his strength, not in our own, because we can't do it on our own, but he gives us the power of the Holy Spirit to turn away from those sins, to turn away from our old carnal selves, to turn away from the things that we once loved doing of the world, but now we love being in obedience to God because we love him so much. And we see we see things differently, don't see things more clearly. It's kind of like um, you hear people say, you know, God removed the veil from my eyes because he's removing these, 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 the veil from your eyes. He's removing the scales from your eyes. The things you never once seen before when you were walking in your worldly ways. But once you're walking in the spirit and you're walking with the Holy Spirit and you're just filled with the Holy Spirit, you want to turn away from that your old ways. You want to turn away from the things that you used to do that you knew were sinful. And now you're walking with Christ with joy and peace and love and happiness and self-control abundance. You're just, you're just walking in this new life. So in Ephesians one through 10, and you, he made alive when you were spiritually dead and separated from him because of your transgressions and sins. So as in the story of Paul and Silas, when the jailer was going to kill himself because he thought, oh my gosh, they escaped. Now I'm going to be killed because they escaped prison. But he, he knew that there was something so miraculous that was happening where these two men could be praising their father in heaven, even though they were beaten and stripped naked and shackled and put into uncomfortable positions, but they kept praising God through the whole thing because it's different. It's different when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Things can happen to you. You can be persecuted in his name And you're still going to praise him through the whole process because you know that others are going to see his glory. They're going to come to Jesus. Or if you are to pass, you're going to live eternal life in the kingdom of heaven. So Ephesians 2, 1 1 through 10, we'll go to verse 2. In which you once walked... You are following the ways of this world, influenced by this present age, in accordance with the prince of the power of the air, which is Satan, the spirit who is now at work in the disobedient, the unbelieving, who fight against the purposes of God. So many in this world are fighting against the purposes of God. 
We all have a conscience. We all know what's right and wrong. And my question to you tonight is, is if you don't believe, why is there a right or wrong? Who do we have to answer to? If you do something that you know is wrong and you feel that guilt and you feel like, hmm, why did I just do that? Or you hear that voice. It's kind of like, you know, in the cartoons, you see the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other. Why would there be two different voices in your head telling you, oh, go ahead and do it. But the other voice is telling you, no, you probably shouldn't be doing that. And that's that small, still voice. Who is that? What is that? It's the the essence of the Holy Spirit. He's already speaking to you, whether you know it or not. God is real. He's real. And your conscience is telling you what's right, what's moral, what's wrong, what's immoral. And who do you have to answer to? If, If things are wrong, who do you have to answer to? Verse 3 says, Among this, unbelievers... We all once lived in the passions of our flesh, our behavior governed by the sinful self, indulging the desires of human nature without the Holy Spirit and the impulses of the sinful mind. We were by nature children under the sentence of God's wrath, just like the rest of mankind. So when we're born, we're born into a sinful nature. We're born into the desires of our human nature, indulging in those desires. Sexual immorality is one of them. Um, lust. There's, there's, there's many different things that we want to satisfy our flesh. And we're in that sinful nature without the Holy Spirit. We have impulses of the sinful mind. And by nature, we're children under the sentence of God's wrath. He gave us a way out. He gave us his only son. He gave the world his only son to die for our sins so that we could be forgiven and accepted into the kingdom by our faith and given that free gift of salvation. How amazing is that? Verse 4 says, But God, being so very rich in mercy because of his great and wonderful love with which he loved us, Even when we were spiritually dead and separated from him because of our sins, he made us spiritually alive together with Christ. For by his grace, his undeserved favor and mercy, you have been saved from God's judgment. When you become born again, when you lay down your life for the Lord, when you surrender to him, when you are when you know that you are just so at the end of yourself, searching to fill that void in your life, sometimes it takes hitting rock bottom. He's there to pick you up. He's there to give you eternal life. He's there to give you that free gift of salvation. All he wants is your heart. And giving him your heart and loving him is trusting in him and abiding in him, knowing that he died for your sins. Verse, I was going to say verse 6-6. Let's see. Romans, Romans 6, 1 through 18. I encourage you, to read Romans 6, 1 through 18. 
If you are an unbeliever, read Romans 6, 1 through 18. I really encourage you because once you surrender your life to the Lord, you are nailed to the cross with him. Simply put, a believer is not the same person he or she was before conversion. A believer is a new creation in Christ, in Christ. And once we become a new creation, when we sin, I shouldn't say when we sin, because in the Bible it says, if we sin, because as a new creation, as a new believer, we don't live in habitual sin because we're new creation. We're given new mind, new body, new spirit, new heart. All of it's new. We're new. So we groan if we sin. Our spirits cry out, cry out and grieve in our sin. I just pray tonight, if you're listening to this, that you're accepting the message. Our time is short. We're nearing the end days. We see the signs as believers. We've seen the signs. We see the signs of so many things happening, so much lawlessness, disobedience. And it says in the end days that people will be lovers of themselves and children will be disobedient and everybody will be living under such lawlessness. And we're seeing it. We're seeing it happen. And as a born-again believer, I have seen, I, I have lived a life without God. And I know what it feels like to try to fill this empty void inside of you. You try to fill it with drugs. You try to fill it with alcohol. You try to fill it with sex. You try to fill it with food. You try to fill it with all these things. And then there comes a time that you just get to the end of yourself. Like, I'm running. I'm running from God's purpose. I'm running from his presence. Friend, when, you're, when, you're, when you are done running from, your, from God, I pray that you accept him into your heart as your Lord and Savior. You'll be given new life. And best of all, you'll be given that free gift of salvation, eternal life. God bless.